The work hours for a professional working in athletics can fluctuate. That is why the University of Cincinnati Online designed a Master of Sports Administration program that is both flexible and 100% online. Connect and build relationships with other students, alumni working in athletics, and their experienced staff. The best part? You can graduate in as little as one year. Unsure about going back to school? UC Online has a team of student success coordinators ready to guide you from start to graduation. Reach out today and learn more about UC Online. Go to online.uc.edu. Look under master's programs and find the master in sport administration. One more time, go to online.uc.edu. Look under master's programs and then find the master of sport administration. The success for me is I never needed my boss to tell me good job or you're doing great. I needed the audience to respond to the execution of what I created in my head. I was watching how people get hired. So then I, I saw myself in a new light. I saw myself as a scriptwriter, as a producer, as a director, and I gained a different confidence. There's someone who works with me now. Uh, he started with me as an intern and then stayed on as a producer. He wanted to be the GM of a team one day, and then he started working with me in events. He's like, I don't even know this existed. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the party. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com. Brian Clapp. I don't want to steal the thunder of today's guest, but I think this sets the stage for the conversation and will get you primed and ready for the transparency and authenticity that is about to come. Felisa Israel is one of the most heralded and impressive people in the sports industry, leading the NBA's live event programming and entertainment for almost a decade before starting her own live event production company, Tenfold. And when I asked her today to describe what makes a great event, like an all-star game or an NBA finals, she said, nobody dies. That's my kind of interview. Felisa and I hit it off from the moment she came on my screen. She is energetic, informed, passionate, driven, and more importantly, she's fun. Like, we laugh a lot in this conversation. When I listen back to our interview, because after it happens live, a lot of times I go back and listen to things again just to, you know, get better, improve, listen to what's happening there, get a vibe for how we did. I thought to myself, this is what sports should be. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a little bit of urgency, but high flying and over the top. And let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's have a good old time. And that's what Felisa brings to this conversation. She's smart. She's accomplished. She's got her own business. She's got so much information to share. But the overarching principle that I got out of this is that we can still have a good time in these conversations. So join me on this very fun and seriously informative conversation with Felisa Israel, CEO and founder of Tenfold Entertainment. Hey, Felisa, how are you today? Thanks so much for joining us. Good, Brian. What's going on? I'm you? excited about this conversation. I love live event production uh, coming from the broadcast world myself. I love that urgency. I love that chaos. So I'm so excited to jump into this conversation with you today. So thanks for joining me. Awesome. That's, that's you know, that's not always the case, by the way. We can get into broadcast, you know, the live versus the broadcast and the personalities that go with it, otherwise known as TOCs, timeout coordinators. <laughs> 
See, but okay, I know it's not supposed to be chaotic, but I do kind of like some of the chaos. I mean, I love being in the, okay, so when I was in the production world and I'd be producing a show and I'd be in the control room and some crazy breaking news would happen and you'd be adjusting on the fly. I love that energy. I think that's fun. So it's a little different, I know, but. I'm going to hold you to that because I get, when we get to the Mercury portion, this, the start and the creation of, and the evolution of the WNBA, I've got a story. So let's, let's do, what do they call it? A callback? I love stories. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I love stories. I'm glad to get there. We're going to talk about all that sort of stuff, but let's start a little bit with your background too. You've been a dominant force in the whole live sports event production side for a long time. What made you go down this path? Why did you choose this journey? Why was this your fit? I didn't choose this journey. <laughs> it just that happened. The funny part. Like I did not. I did not want to be in the world of sports. Um, I wanted to be in music and entertainment. I uh, played piano for 15 years. I'm a classically trained pianist. I played the percussion. I played the drums. Who's your favorite pianist then, before we go any further? Oh, wow. Do you have a favorite composer? Beethoven. Yeah. My daughter loves Franz Litz. I like That's why I wanted to ask. I like Chopin, too. Okay. He's, he's cool. Sorry, I cut you off there. Go ahead. Tell me more about your journey. You never asked me that question. And I, was like, I put you on the spot. That's what I do. I love that. Okay, cool. Um, Let's continue. I'm a percussionist, one of them, yeah. besides, you know, Neil Peart. Hello. Well, yeah. And then Dr. Feelgood tour with Tommy Lee was like, what is happening? Yeah, that was pretty insane. Yeah, but Sheila E., when I first, you know, she taught me how to kick a cymbal. And I told her, you know, the first time I met her, I was introduced to her. And I said, I just have to let you know. Thank you. And she goes, for what? I said, for teaching me how to kick a cymbal. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a pretty good story to get out of the gate there. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I already took us down a tra tangent we weren't expecting here. I love that. Uh, okay, so Journey. Like, how did you – okay, so classically trained pianist, percussionist, getting trained by yeah, Sheena Easton. I was a former dancer, and I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. And then uh, basically it just worked out where – you know, I got an internship my senior year of school at Arizona State University. Yeah. And somebody offered me an opportunity to be an intern at Channel 12 in Arizona, which was the NBC affiliate television station. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be in TV. And they're like, Felisa, TV is part of entertainment. You might want to figure it out and, you know, explore yeah. it. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I didn't think about it from that perspective. So I did. I tried it out. Earned some credibility and respect, you know, within the infrastructure there and helped to get me an informational interview with in LA and Hollywood, Hollywood. And Hollywood. I got an opportunity to work for the Greek theater. Okay. And I was super excited. It's pretty and iconic. It, it was. I, I was like, this is it. This is out of the gate. Like, yes. Yeah. And then I was there during the 94 northridge earthquake aftershocks yeah which scared the hell out of me i mean i was i was standing uh, i remember standing at a restaurant and i saw you know it was one of those like a deli right and you walk through and you yeah. see how the chefs the cooks you know head shaking and the plates shaking and falling i'm like what the hell and i said you know i'm taking the first flight back to arizona this isn't going to work for me <laughs> i'm out and this is right after you know the last dance, right? And uh, between the Bulls and Suns happened with Barkley on the team. And um, and of course, being originally from Chicago, I mean, Michael Jordan was a god in our house growing up. And 
I got offered a position to be a marketing assistant at the Suns. I'm like, I don't want to work at the Suns. And somebody's like, there's entertainment in basketball. Just come check it out and you'll yep. see. I was like, all right. And then, of course, my first job, my first big job was to be in charge of the national anthem auditions. And I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, Whitney Houston. Like, I was so excited. I took it very seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, now looking back, you're you're looking at couple decades in the sports industry. So it seemed to be a pretty good fit for you. Well, and then, you know, I think one of the um, things in life that you learn along the way, which I'm sure you could attest to, mm-hmm. is perspective and looking at things differently than you normally would, right? Or that you suspect that they're going to come in a certain package or path, right? And when I started looking at the court as a stage, and I'm like, Wait, this is an opportunity for performances and programming. Think about it. What are yep. what are the different areas of a programming opportunity are there? Pre-game, timeouts, quarter breaks, halftime, second half, do it all again, post-game. So I cared about the fan experience and I was able to get creative and that, you know, immediately became my canvas. And then when I looked at it like that, I was like, oh. And then I got, in, you know, and then I was in charge of the Suns dance team. And then yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Fucking talent. You know, it was fun. It all, it all worked. Yeah, exactly. It lines up and it starts to get your energy flowing. Yeah. So as you look back then, you were with the Suns for six years, I think it was, right? It, or something yeah. along those lines? For six years. I helped yeah. start Mercury within that time. So I was working both teams um, when the WNBA first started in 97. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I'm not going to ask you how old you are on, on the podcast. But I'll say it. I don't care. I, I, I'm 40. I'll ask you this Go ahead. Do you know the movie Fame with Debbie I Allen? Know, I do know the movie Fame, so I am old enough to remember that. So if I, exactly. So if I could live my life over again, I would have gone to the New York High School of Performing Arts. No question. Yeah. But only yeah. if Debbie Allen and Leroy were there. And Leroy you know, was like my idol, I think, growing up. So yeah, I'm with you. I understand. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, he was so cool. Like, I don't know. He was fierce before fierce. I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when when the the uh, Mercury, when the WNBA started in 97, if you recall, hip hop had a negative connotation because mm-hmm. of Tupac and Biggie. And by yep. the way, the documentary on Lifetime that was just like psh, about that era. <laughs> um, but it had a negative connotation. So working in an uber conservative organization, I was determined to influence the environment with this new up and coming genre of music called hip hop. Yeah. And, and, and sprinkle all this flavor in there with these underground street dancers, which are now called hip hop dancers. Yeah. And uh, I created the Phoenix Mercury Hip Hop Squad, which was the first co-ed team in the NBA and, um, or, you know, W. And then um, it was it was diverse before diverse was a thing. And um, yeah. it was great. Magical. All of it was magical. So, 97, I think about it because I was in the broadcast media at that time. I remember when the WNBA launched. I remember a lot of us thinking, I don't know how long this lasts. I don't know if it will. Mm-hmm. Since you were part of that original franchise with the Phoenix Mercury and you were part of the launch development, all of it looking back now, knowing how successful it's been and how it continues to grow. Like, do you take a lot of pride in that? How do you feel about all that? You know, I have a philosophy that I've observed 
throughout my career. And for me, it's called the coach team philosophy. If you have a coach who's a strong coach, who's empowering you, who believes in you, who believes in something, and, you, and you know that coach is like, look, Brian, you are amazing. And you are on this team because we believe in you. You have what it takes to be a champion. You've got the heart of a champion. You are a winner. You're going to be like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go win for my coach, right? I'm going to go play the hell out of this. But if you have a coach like you suck, you know, this and that, and not very encouraging, you're just going to be like, eh, I'm into it, but I'll, do, I'll get out of this what I can, and you'll have to self-motivate yourself. David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA at that time, invested his money, his heart, and his passion, and his determination to make this work, regardless of the haters, regardless of the naysayers. And I know that the broadcast, they weren't supportive. They were not supportive. No disrespect. No, but, I get you know, it. You know, it, the, the, it was a new thing. And women, I, I said, I'm not a basketball player. And I didn't really know much about women's basketball. But I was just watching these women. I mean, Cheryl Miller, oh, you know, yeah. Reggie's sister, was like the coach. And I'm watching these women's dreams come true right before their eyes. It was amazing i was like that's what made me feel proud like that was when i first felt what it's like to be a female in in a male-dominated industry you know it was it was really something i I, i'm proud to have been a part of that uh, historical time you should be and i think it's really impressive i've done some interviews lately with people connected to the wnba and there's a lot of pride that comes from that and i and i think there should be because it's not easy to start any kind of a new venture. And we can talk and talk about that coming up too with some of your personal experiences, but it's not easy to start a new venture, start a new league, carve an audience out amongst the competition of the big four, and then to specialize with the, with women. I just, it seems like everything was stacked up against the WNBA and to find that success is, I mean, well, incredibly, inc- incredibly impressive. Yeah. And I have to tell you, like, look, the reality of life is that we're all going to die. Not to be more. No, really? But but with Kobe passing with his daughter in the way that they did, and the legacy and the power of that legacy that he imprinted on what David Stern, ironically, who died a few months, a month, I I forgot, but shortly. Yeah, shortly before. It's just, I felt it all over again. It it was just really a, a profound experience for me personally for sure mm-hmm. after the mercury and time at the suns you made a pretty big career move going to the league offices yeah. how did that how was that different like you you work for a specific team you know exactly what to expect and now you go to more of a, a nationwide perspective you're consulting a lot of the teams on their operations you're you're working in a different form doing these major events that are reaching 10 like all-star games those sort of things reaching tens of millions of people. How has that changed for you? You know, again, perspective. And it was fascinating because when I was working at NBA Entertainment and it was my first NBA All-Star Weekend and I was watching how people get hired, right? And there was a group of writers who write all the scripts and run shows. There was a group of directors. There was a group of producers. And I was like, I'm a script writer. I wrote 40 plus scripts a year, you know, and that's just for one team. 
you know, not to mention the W. And by the way, I was working arena football. <laughs> oh, jeez. The Arizona Rattlers. So yep. I, I'm like, I'm a script writer. And then I'm looking at the directors, this group of directors that they were hiring. And I was like, I'm a director. I'm on the headset telling everybody what to do, when to go, how to play, you know, um, music, not the players. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm a producer. The, you know, the corporate sponsorship department, the CR department, the PR department, like all of the different departments through, you know, all of the ingredients for me to bake the cake and orchestrate it yep. 40 plus times a year. So I was just like, I saw myself differently than the entertainment director or um, so then I, I saw myself in a new light. I saw myself as a scriptwriter, as a producer, as a director, and I gained a different confidence about myself in a new environment and infrastructure because I knew it. I knew the work. So what, I'm going to ask this, and it's a really broad question, but I'll, I'll trust you to narrow it down a little bit for us. Um, what makes a successful live event? Because a lot of people in our audience are young. They're getting started. They're figuring out where their fit is. And they see the all-star game events. They see, they've been to enough games to realize what's going on out there and that somebody's controlling it. But as you kind of look back and say, I know what success looks like. I know what those key components are. What makes a good all-star game? What makes a good, you know, halftime break or whatever? Like, what are those components that you look for in, in any of your creative side? Do you want, like, the immediate answer that came out in my head? Or do you want the Yes. Oh, totally, I do. <laughs> yes. When someone doesn't die, that's a successful <laughs> event. <laughs> <Live> <laughs> event. Oh, I'm so glad that you did that. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, you know, stadiums have an average of 20,000 live human bodies. I've seen things that, I mean, when I remember when the Phoenix Suns gorilla, he got this new t-shirt gun that had like crazy power to it. Yeah. And he he didn't even realize the power. And at that time, we, if you remember, you're a broadcast guy. I remember we had the matrix boards with the tiles. Yep. Oh, yeah. He popped off one of those t-shirt guns. It accidentally hit one of the tiles. Tiles came out scratch some woman's eye. She got, you know, gorilla dolls for life. Oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> gorilla dolls for life. Big winner. Somebody could slip on, blood, oh. like, on the floor. Like you don't know sweat, you know, but, um, but truly for me, uh, being a creative person, um, the success for me is I never needed my boss to tell me good job or you're doing great. I needed the audience to respond to the execution of what I created in my head. Yeah. That's all I needed. And, and yeah. that's all anybody, because that's, because, you know, reality is perception, even though sometimes it's not perception, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, or it's not reality, I should say. And, you know, when the crowd responds and they're on their feet and they're on fire and they're going crazy and they're screaming at, on the top of their lungs, owners, the non-creative people who are really paying attention to the bottom line, the owners, the C-suite execs, these kinds of people, they're, they're, they just care that the crowd is having a good time because yep. you know what that equates to? A comeback. Yeah. Retainment. They're going to yep. keep coming back. They're going to keep paying for that ticket, you know, butts and seats. So if I, if, I, if I make the crowd loud, it makes everybody happy. Yeah, I mean, we've all been there where you're at an event of some shape and like maybe you're not paying attention you're looking to somebody else you're getting a beer or whatever and you hear the crowd go wild and you're like i gotta figure out what just happened and you go running back in to see yeah. you know some cool event going on and then you're right that directly ties into paying attention having yeah. a good experience coming back putting your butt in the seat 
everybody wants to party and everybody wants to be invited to a good party. That's true. <laughs> so true. So what about pressure? I mean, you go from creating in Phoenix, which is pressure, 20,000 people a night, that's pressure. Then you go to doing all-star games, championship games. You're doing uh, tens of millions of viewers kind of thing across the board. Do you feel that pressure? Or are you, do you, you one of those people that gets in the zone and is like, I know what I have to do. I'm going to execute on it. And this is just another job. I found that I excel really well under pressure. I do great under pressure. When I have time to think about things and process, that's when I have my freakouts. Um, <laughs> but... I remember somebody told me the first, I remember the first time I ever heard the term, Felisa, keep your eye on the prize. I'm like, what does that mean? And then I, and then I understood it. Like trophy presentations, you know, everyone's going crazy. Like everyone's running around like cockroaches. Everyone's excited. Like, you know, and focus on that trophy, make sure it's secure. Yeah. And then get my players and then get my security, just making sure everyone's in place. And I'm a, I'm a, I am prepared. I am a preparation person. So 12 minutes, 20 minutes, I, I'm checking in as to where, where are all my people? Where's security? Where's the trophy? Where's the handlers? Where's the players? Where's the coaches? Where's the PR people? You know, and then that way, all we have to do, and I'm just looking, I'm giving everybody like, you know, the Felisa look. <laughs> well known in the industry, the Felisa look. Yeah. So, okay, you said it. I, I imagined it before we even started this conversation, but you have to be a planner and you have to have be organized to thrive in these roles. Mm -hmm. But the best laid plans blow up in live environments. They just do. Mm -hmm. You mentioned one earlier with the Phoenix Gorilla. Mm -hmm. um, is there always a bit of anxiety still for event time or are you handling that pretty well? Do you get worried on game day when you get worried on big event day? No, I get excited. I don't get I don't get worried. I used to when I was a when I was a rookie. Yeah. You know, I remember waking up in the middle of the night at the Suns and I was like, what happens if this doesn't go right? You know, and somebody said to me also, they were like, Felisa, all that matters is that there's a basketball and there's players. Everything yeah. else is ancillary. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So then when I started again, perspective, like when I started thinking about it like that, I was like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? You know? Yeah going to blow up on fire that's a different you know that's you know i like pyro i'm a big <laughs> oh, oh great <laughs> let's blow more stuff up what could go yeah, wrong you know some crazy pyro things that where the pyro company has told me no and i said you know what if you can't do it i'm going to find someone else who can and then yeah, close your eyes while i do it anyway <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah. as you look back i mean in the moment when things go wrong it's hard to laugh at them I mean, but now you can look back at that story you just told a little while ago and laugh a little bit about what happened, knowing that the woman only, you know, got a scratch cornea. It wasn't so bad. And lots of gorillas for life. Um, any other pri um, mishaps that you look back on that you can laugh at a little bit now? Oh, yeah. I mean, don't forget, I'm a highly creative person. So for yeah. people who can orchestrate symphonies in their head in the way that I can and how f much of a thrill that is and how fun it is. Those are just challenging moments that is exciting. You know, it's almost yeah. a thrill. So I remember um, at the Suns game, the, the Suns dance team went out and all of a sudden it was just quiet. There was no mic. There was no audio. There was no music. There was no nothing. And like the power went out. 
Yeah. And I told, and the, the dancers just look at me. And then, you know, I told the matrix guy, the scoreboard, I was like, I said, right on there, power, power down or something like that. Right. Or power out. And yeah. I said, clap. And then I, I said, put the hands up. Remember the graphics, the claps? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Put the graphic up. And then I said, right, type in clap. And so, and we, I sent the dance. I said, go do your eight counts. Dancers rehearse to eight counts. I'm like, go yeah. do your eight counts. And so they're just counting in their heads and they're doing, and then afterwards, I mean, it was a huge, like, yep. it was awesome. Awesome. I love that when you can get a creative solution to a problem in the minute and have it work. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's nothing, there's no better feeling. It's, it's, a, it's a super rush. It's a high. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so 2011, you decide to go out on your own, start huh. your own business, Tenfold Entertainment. Mm -hmm. Why? You know, it's uh, funny because in 08, when the economy crashed, so where I was working, I was transferred from New York to the Santa Monica. There was a uh, satellite office in Santa Monica. Okay. It was a three-person office. And the two guys that were in there were doing product placement for um, the NBA, for film, music, and TV. And they were running this underground celebrity basketball league for the NBA called the Entertainment League, the E-League. And in 08, when the economy crashed, you know, it just wasn't a revenue-generating you know, line item. And so I negotiated a deal. I wound up acquiring that property. And I was working with everyone from Adam Sil uh, Sandler, sorry. Yeah. Sandler to Will Ferrell to um, Jamie Foxx to Casey Wasserman, you know, Uber, ICM, CAA, WME agents and producers and directors yeah. and writers. And I started understanding Hollywood in a way that I had never known and the influence of sports and how monstrous it was for the Hollywood. And it was a very powerful um, networking room. And so I did that for a while and I learned how to become an entrepreneur. I had a crash course of doing that. And the, the, the um, advantage for me was that I had, you know, over 200 valuable commodities that I could use as carrots yeah. to get Gatorade to come on board, to get Nike to come on board as our encore sponsor. At that time, there was no social media. So I had my own in-house photographer. We got some marketing collateral and snapped some, you know, organic shots with these tastemakers yeah. now called influencers. And so um, that was interesting and fascinating. But then I realized that I, I am passionate about creating events. So I went back to my passion and I started um, Tenfold Entertainment, my own live event production company. I loved it. I love it. The client list is crazy. Like it's it's amazing. It's like the who's who. I mean, the Spurs, Dynamo, Bleacher Report, Beach Volleyball, Major League Lacrosse, Esports, Clippers, UCLA. We could keep going, but it's only so long of a show. There's a creative side to event production. You've made that really clear. And that's clearly where your skill set is. But how important is that relationship side as well? Because clearly... A lot of your business generates from past relationships, past successes. Like how important is that part of it to really lean into the relationship side of running a business as well? I tell people it's who you know that gets you in the door. It's what you know that keeps you there. Yeah. Also, one of the things that is crazy important is, and it requires a lot of energy, as you well know, is not just establishing relationships, but maintaining them. Yes. So, and um, 
I love people and I truly appreciate the relationships that I have in my life, personal and professional. I treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. And I take nothing for granted. And I know that that all sounds very cliche, but it's the truth. And, you know, when you treat people the way you want to be treated, like, you know, Brian, if I was to find out something, like, let's say you posted, you know, somebody was ill in your family, you know, and we were on social media together, I would have started off this conversation saying, hi, how you doing? Like, yeah. how's it going? How's your family member? You know, people first. Yep. are you cool? You know, and, and I would have. That's how I want people to treat me. I, I get really irritated when like I get text messages from people who I haven't heard from in a long time. And they're like, hey, can you hook me up with so-and-so? And I'm like, "Right? do you care that I'm alive? Do you care that I'm feeling good or not? Like, check in with me. We, we've just been through some crap in the last two years. You know what I mean? So anyway, it's meaningful moments and it's how you manage these relationships and um, keep them genuine. Yeah, I think that's the part that gets forgotten a lot for entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs is they have a maybe a product idea, but that those relationships in business like can can push you even further, make those connections, make things happen for you and and true relationships versus just I've clicked and I connected to this person through some social media channel. And when when you earn three specific things, trust, respect and credibility, and earn being the operative word, people yeah. want you around. You know yeah. what I mean? People want to be around people, especially as we get higher in our careers. You want people that you can trust. You don't want me coming on here like I'm on American Idol and just spouting off and like you, you don't know what I'm, you know, yeah. going to talk about, right? Even though you, you could probably edit it out. But I kind of like that, actually. When I just don't know where you're headed next and you just kind of come out from anywhere. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, that's, good creative, that's good creative production right here. <laughs> But Leonard Armato, who was Shaq's agent for all those years, he came to, he also owned the AVP and he came to me and he's like, Felisa, he's like, I have this incredible idea where I want to take world-class Olympic level competition and mesh it with a Coachella music festival vibe. And I want you to help me run it. And I was like, oh, with world, with uh, Pro Beach Volleyball. And I was like, volleyball? It's got a ball. It's got, yeah. it's got, it's got it'll translate. I'll figure yeah. it out. You know, there's a beach, so, there's a vibe. We can do this. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do it. And um, again, I like the challenge, right? Yeah. And um, oh, I hear your dog. That's my dog. And this is so embarrassing. I need to soundproof this room. It's okay. It's real. Some Someone in my family should be doing something about it right now, though. I mean, that's kind of the rule of how it's supposed to work. I'm live on the air. Well, not live, but. Still. But anyway. So he was like, Felice, let's do this. So we did it. It was a pre-qualifying event for the Olympics. It was broadcast on all NBC platforms nationally and internationally. I'm like, Leonard, you realize NBA All-Star Weekend is essentially a three and a half day live event. You know, you got your Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday night parties. This is a six-day live event on international broadcast. I'm like, yeah. I need a bigger staff. I'm good, but I'm not that good. Yeah. It's like, Felisa, this is the NBA. And I was like, mm. So I started a relationship with UCLA Anderson Business School. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go hire a bunch of young people who are hungry and wanting yes. to about sports and entertainment. I'm just going to go train the hell out of them and turn them into an army of rock stars. 
Love it. And, uh, and I did. And we executive produced that event for five years um, until it stopped and uh, created an incredible army that I still hire today to help produce my events. And it's been a great ride. What a great way for them to gain experience as well. I mean, that's awesome. All right, I'm going to embarrass you for a second here and, and read a quote. Uh, Felisa's expertise in live event production, talent procurement, and entertainment marketing contributed to countless memorable NBA moments, and she is known throughout the entertainment community as a true all-star. That's Adam Silver. Oh, my God. NBA I, commissioner. I doesn't know what he's talking about now. <laughs> I mean, come on. When you have that kind of a testimonial, that kind of a shout-out, it gets a lot easier to run your business, I would think. I mean, that's a proof of concept right there. Did you ever envision, like, that kind of success when you first started, or was it uh, was it a little bit more daunting when you were first getting started? I think I was uh, interested. I was intrigued. I was interested. I like, like, this goes back to me liking people. And um, I think everybody has a story. I don't care what your status is in life. I like learning about who you are. And if you're a good person at the end of the day, like, we're going to, this is going to work, you know, and we're going to, it's like like-minded people, right? And when I, I remember when I first met Adam, I just thought he was, I'm like, this is the, the uh, what was he at that time? President of NBA Entertainment and like the big guy that everybody's yeah. like, oh, Adam Silver. I'm like, he's such a nice, good guy. Like he's such a nice, he's just a good guy. guy. Like he's a mensch, you know? And <laughs> and then I was like, all I have to do is just do what I do best. And yeah. again, it's just that earning that trust and respect. If listen. We all know, and now for me as an entrepreneur, when you're a leader, when you're that coach, right, and you have employees or your team or your staff complimenting what you're doing and they can rely on you and trust you, that's the greatest level of insurance that you could provide anybody, you know? And so um, that's who I wanted to be for him for David Stern, for Jerry Colangelo, when he yeah. was at the Suns. Like, I don't think about how would Felisa think about these things. I would think about how would the person ultimately, you know, who's in charge with the weight on their shoulders want me to be for them. So, yeah. Yeah. So as the owner of Tenfold, where you have a lot of responsibilities, mm-hmm. what's your mix like now? Do you still get to do the creative side of things? Or are you more focused on the business development and what's next? Like, what does your mix look like? Well, it's a, you know, it's funny because when you become an entrepreneur, you become the CEO, the CEO, the CMO, the CEO, everything, the lawyer, you know, you become yep. all of it. And I tell myself daily and I tell everybody else who works with me, everything we say and do can be held against us in a court of law because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have the big, bad legal team from the NBA behind me anymore. Right. right? right. And um, so, yeah, I'm definitely in the creative throw of things. I love it um, as the executive producer, um, but I like to empower people. And when I see that they're built and designed with that spark, there's someone who works with me now. His name is Nathan Leonard, who you chitty chat with. Yep, I have. Uh, He started with me as an intern during World Series and then stayed on as a producer um, and continues to work with me. And I've like, I've like tightened or lessened the rope you know, so that he can take a hold of it. And he wanted to be the GM of a team one day. And then he started working with me in events. He's like, I don't even know this existed. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the party. 
Yeah. That's, and that's the discovery we're talking about. So many people will come to me and be like, I love sports. What should I do with my life? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. You need to figure that out yourself. Right. But that's what we try to do. We're trying to give these stories on this podcast to share with people what's out there, what it's yeah. like when you're doing these different type of things and hear it from yeah. experts like you. That's yeah. part of the fun. You know, I, I was one of the uh, people to help to start um, the department at the NBA called Teambo, if you've ever heard of it. Team yeah. Oh, I have. Uh, Dr. Bill Sutton. Very, I worked very closely with him. Yeah, he's been on the show before. He talked about Teambo a lot too. Yeah, we had some fun times together. He's also a huge champion of mine. And uh, I'm just guy. like two, three weeks ago, by the way. And, uh, you know, we would travel around to the different NBA teams and evaluate them and report our findings back to the league, ultimately Commissioner David's turn, right? Yeah. And it was fascinating for me because at that time, I was someone who came from a team working at the league. And there wasn't a lot of people doing that at the time. So I just automatically resonated uh, with the teams and, you know, gelled with them and vibed with them in a way because I spoke their language. I knew what yeah. they were hiding up their sleeves. I could Yeah, you knew them. what they were dealing with. Yeah. And uh, I didn't feel like I needed to come in there and be like the big bad, you know, what are you doing? And why are you guys doing this? Don't do it anymore. I'm going to find you. Like, I was just like, let's, all right, you guys, you know better. Like, how do we figure this out? You know? And I think that they really appreciated that about my approach as well. Yeah. So you're obviously doing a lot. I mean, running your own team means you're hiring staff, developing staff. You kind of alluded to it earlier. Mm -hmm. What are the primary roles that you look to fill? And then what do you look for in hires when you're trying to bring people on board? Is there certain you know, breakdown of skills or attributes that you look for that you identify as being, you know, patterns towards success? I don't get caught up in the, uh, the stereotypes of millennials or Gen Zers, you know, hipsters, whatever. I, I look at everybody individually. If they're passionate, can't pay for passion. Yeah. If they've got the it factor, which means if they go above and beyond, if they're not afraid to tell the truth, um, if they have integrity, if they lead with integrity and self-respect, um, if they're not trying to be a fangirl or fanboy, you know, if they really care about doing the work and they have a strong work ethic, um, those are the kind of people and people who are trustworthy, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's, I'm a family person and I create a family environment and we get each other's backs. We don't judge um, we honor each other and we uh, respect each other. And, you know, if people are in it to win it from that regard and respect what they're walking into. Um, I tell people, if you're good to me, I'm going to be three times better to you. And I mean it. I think it's pretty clear you'd be a pretty awesome boss. I could see that. I think you'd be fun to work for, like super fun to work for, but also learn a ton. <laughs> Yeah. Not just like a party environment. I'm saying like you'd learn a ton, you'd get to experience a lot and you'd get to really learn the industry. So I can see why you've had such success with Tenfold. Uh, let's finish up with this. As if you weren't busy enough, running your own business, major productions with Bleacher Report and all the other brands that you work with. You've also recently launched the Impact Learning Institute. Tell us a little bit about it. Why well, this project and what is it? Thanks to uh, Leonard for not having a budget for me. Uh, that was the inspiration with the World Series of Beach Volleyball. I, I fell in love with teaching the next generation. Yep. And as it was growing and they were gravitating to me and responding to me, it was just this beautiful outcome. And then about six years ago, 
UCLA Anderson Business School asked me to teach a high-level sports and entertainment class. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was inspired. And then someone who was working with me said, um, Felisa, since you left the NBA, we've trained, mentored, and helped to place upwards of 100 students. She said, we know the formula. I want to build a business model to UCLA Anderson and see if they bite. And I was like, okay. Yeah. It took me six years to graduate from ASU with barely 2.5. I ain't getting nothing at UCLA, but okay, we'll try it. <laughs> it went through my head. And so we yeah. did it, and they greenlit it. And we're going into our fourth year. It's a professional development program that I own. Yeah. And UCLA Education or Anderson uh, acts as our educational host partner. And it's for students who want careers in sports, entertainment, and media. And honestly, Brian, you know, people are like, oh, Felisa knows everybody. Felisa. And I'm like, yeah, that's great for my ego. But what do I do with that? How do I make yes. this world a better place? Yep. It's like taking the last 30 years of my network and making it these students' net worth. And I mean, I'm telling you, we have a 501c3 portion of it for scholarship students. And we have incredible case studies. Like one girl right now, she's about, she learned how to build a world tour for an artist and she's going on tour with this artist. Wow. And, uh, she's a first generation um, student. And we have another student who just got a job at ESPN we went through our program and um, another student just got a full-time job at the Dodgers and just got promoted as a matter of fact. So I, I'm just full of pride. I really am. And I feel like if God forbid something happened to me tomorrow, mm -hmm. I know that I've left this world a better place. No, and I so respect that. I think we have some parallel existences here. Like as I got deeper into my career, one of the things I really realized about myself when I was the news director at Fox Sports Northwest, I really liked working with the younger staff. Yeah. I really liked training them up and seeing yeah. them be successful and seeing how they developed. And, you know, certain people are now anchors in this market or whatever. And you're like, I feel good about that. Yeah. And so we've done the same thing. We've leaned into try to teach, teach and train. And there is so much, like you said, legacy that comes out of that and impact that that makes such a difference. So I applaud you for that. Yeah, that move. And if I can, I'm, I just want to put it out there that I'm looking for a rock star sales and marketing person. So, you know. Let's put that out there. Let's speak it to existence, right? This is the place it's to do it. Institute. Yep. yep. They have to know about sports and entertainment and they have to know about students. So, yeah. I'm sure we can help you find the right person. Thank you. This has been amazing. You are yeah. an awesome spirit. I just felt so much energy coming off of you and I can see why you've been so successful over your career and had so much, so many great things happen. So just thank you so much for coming and sharing so much with well, us today. I really appreciate you. You know, I've heard such amazing things about you and, you know, I, I love how you treat things and, and communicate and I feel like you and I would be BFFs. No question. <laughs> Next time I'm in Arizona, we're hanging out. Let's do it. AZ yes. Hey, let me know. Drinks are on me. Let's do this. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, Felisa. This was awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Listen to Brian. <laughs> Thank you to Felisa for coming on the show. That gave me a lot of energy. I, I hope it did the same for you. I seriously like in, in talking to her, feeling her vibe, learning from her what that world is like, because I haven't done a lot of live event production. I've done a lot of studio production. Hearing about that world and where it's going and how to create great events other than people not dying, I just think was really informative and fun. So check out Felisa. I'd say you can connect with her on LinkedIn. She's a very connected woman. She's a really interesting person to connect with. And thank you for listening and being a part of our show. We love having you here. So continue to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And I appreciate every single one of you.